It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to our radio show podcast extravaganza. This is Guys Guys Radio, the place where, where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. Here we are in KCAA, Southern California. I'm recording the show from New York City right now, and it's a cold, cold winter here in New York. The temperatures have been in the single digits. I can't wait to get out to Southern California again. My family and I were planning on a move to San Diego area, summer 2019. We have family out there. I lived out in San Diego before. I love both coasts. And uh, what I'm doing here on the show, going to give you a little perspective on what it's like to live in New York and all the great things about Southern California, of course, particularly the weather is fantastic. Although at this time of year, like January, February, you get some rain. And uh, so I know you guys can relate to that. But we've got a great show this evening. Our special guest is a guy by the name of Robert Kandel. He's got a book about men and those confused by them, and it's called Unhidden. And Rob's going to join us in a few minutes. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on here in kind of guy's guy's land. First of all, a lot of people ask, well, what is a guy's guy? Well, let's talk about it this way. A guy's guy is a contemporary man's man with a nod to a return of the casual confidence and seductive integrity of the classic male. You know, over the past 30 years or so, the paths of men and women have changed dramatically. And we're at a critical juncture for redefining men and bridging this communication gap between the sexes. It's ironic that with all of our technology, communication between men and women has never been in such a dire state. While women have been on a straight trajectory of achievement, accomplishment, and long overdue recognition, men often find themselves in a tough spot these days. Although men have never been freer to be whoever they want to be, it's also been less clear who they are. It's never been less clear. Women are on the move and men refuse to change. There's resentment, a lack of empathy, and understanding on both sides, and we're heading in different directions. So enter the guy's guy. And a guy's guy, as I mentioned, he's a contemporary man's man with a nod to the return of the casual confidence and seductive integrity of the classic male. Integrity is a key word there. Updated to reflect the belief that everybody wins when men and women can be at their best. And that's why we do the show here. A guy's guy welcomes the rise of women, yet he competes with them for love, sex, power, and money in a time where everyone's playing for keeps. Guys, guys exude unassuming strength, timeless style, and emotional intelligence. They seek healthy relationships and joyful living. They like to have a good time. Guys like them, women like them. Today's guys, guys have moved light years beyond a time when men gave lip service to feminism while struggling to see women beyond the old traditional areas where they were found in the kitchen and the bedroom. Guys, guys consider women equal in all ways, and they treat them respectfully. They don't patronize women just to get sex, and it's game on. In business, no glass ceilings. That's how guys, guys roll. So why do guys, guys matter? Well, men are in a crisis, and they risk falling behind if they don't evolve. Have you seen all the statistics about less men are going to college, women are getting very close in terms of earning power, they deserve parity earning without question. But a lot of guys aren't keeping up. So how can young men learn what it means to be a man in this rapidly evolving society when they receive such conflicting signals about masculinity that leave them caught somewhere between the roid rage messages of MMA 
And, you know, MMA is fun. I like to watch a good fight there. And also on the other side, the tinted moisturizing of manscaping. So we've got these mixed messages being sent out to young men. Hollywood's one-dimensional preening power studs, metrosexuals, geeks, and superheroes are the role models. And many men are left adrift. I'm not sure which way to turn. Middle-aged men fare no better. Traditionally defined by their jobs, the ascension of women and the tough economy has changed everything. Women are more self-sufficient, they're on the move, and they're not going to slow down or step aside to accommodate men's out-of-step ideas and constructs. Men need to re-examine their roles and be open to new possibilities where they share the wealth and they share the burdens. It's not just up to the men, too. Women need to pitch in as well. Women can help usher in positive change through empathy and understanding as men learn how to redefine themselves. So what's next? It's just a wake-up call, guys. It's not a death sentence for men. You'll find today's open-minded guys, guys everywhere. There's a lot of good guys out there, and they're learning as they navigate this challenging and changing environment. For a guy's guy, there's never been a better time to be a man. And when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins, right? It's as simple as that. So a guy's guy is a, is a good guy. It's not a creep. And the name of the show is Guys Guys Radio, and it's not about beer and babes and football, though we love beer and babes and football. Uh, we just kick it up a notch, and we open it up to seekers. Seekers in this time of change looking for something beyond the paycheck, something beyond the mortgage payment, something beyond picking up the dry cleaning, something beyond the usual pressures and stresses that we all have to live through in modern society. So what I want to do for you is bring out guests and perspectives for you to consider as opening things up, opening up different ways of thinking, opening up new considerations. We've done shows on, did some shows on Reiki. Um, We had a channeler, Paul Seligon. We had um, Kimberly Meredith, healer. Now we're going to skew a little bit, if you will, and we're going to bring on a men's expert. I have some women's dating coaches, men experts, a lot of different people in terms of uh, relationship expertise, and they're going to be on the show over the next couple of weeks. So let's talk a little bit about um, where we're going with this. So Rob Kendall is going to be out in a few minutes, and he has this book called Unhidden, as I mentioned, and it's about men. Now, we're going to talk about that Gillette ad also because there's a lot of backlash. I'm sure by now everybody's seen the Gillette ad where it's kind of a finger-wagging at men telling them, you know, boys will be boys is is old is uh, the old way of doing things, and uh, men have to shape up. Now, what's happened, of course, is there's been six thousand years of bad behavior by men, and we all know it, and we all know it still exists. But there's a lot of good guys out there, and they're saying, "Hey, you know, Gillette, I don't need to be lectured to and finger wagged at while you're selling me razors just because you can't get millennials to shave." <laughs> so, we're we're in a situation where it's a good message, and I think what the problem people have is the forum of that message because two to one, there's been a backlash against the ad. And part of it, I think, is guys uh, overreacting, saying, hey, you know, we're not all bad. And it, I don't think it's about men being all bad per se. It's pointing out that, you know, men need to listen up now because women have really gotten the short end of the stick over over the years. And it's time that we, we shift things. And it's, t- it's hard to do things quickly. So, you know, behavior and culture takes sometimes centuries to change. And in this lifetime, in the last 50 years or so, there's been so many changes and things are getting faster and faster, whether it's technology or just relationships, everything's changing. So we just have to be open 
and we have to have some empathy for uh, for each other. So I, all I would ask is just you know keep an open mind. If you're a guy and it's the t- time of you know me too, you got to listen. Got to put on that listening hat and um, not not take things too seriously. So anyhow. That's what we're going to talk about on our show. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back in a few moments. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. We have a special guest today. We're going to talk about men. Why? Well, it's Guys Guys Radio for one thing. So this is our first male uh, relationship expert and men's expert that I've had on the show. And I'm really thrilled because I know him. We've spoken before. He's been on my show. I've been on his show. His name is Rob Kandel. He's a creator of uh, Unhidden for Men. He's a host of a well-known podcast called Tough Love. I've been a guest on there. It does a great job. He's an accomplished teacher, avid writer, coach, lecturer, and he's committed to helping men find themselves and utilize their internal power to live their best lives in love and on purpose. So he's a real guy's guy. He also contributes daily to his Living Unhidden community at Facebook, um, and also you can get more information about him at robertcandell.com. We'll talk about that towards the end of the interview, but welcome to the show, Rob. How are you? Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm so glad to be back with you, brother. Good. Uh, me too. Um, the book, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I went through it. I read it uh, earlier this week, and it's fantastic. Thank and you. I think it's a uh, perfect timing for the book. Tell us a little bit about, because your backstory is interesting. I love the way the book begins when you go to a uh, kind of a therapist uh, with your wife, and you were like a little bit astonished at what was going on and uh, kind of unexpecting some of the things. And I think that's something that a lot of guys can relate to. But why don't you give us a little bit of a background on your personal story and how it led you on your journey and to the launch of Unhidden? Sure. It, it's been an incredible life when I, <laughs> an amazing journey. So the way I tell my story is I was normal till I was around 28. Uh, normal meaning I was living the American dream on the path, corporate America, suit and tie every day. Well, working downtown San Francisco, climbing the corporate ladder, married, house, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, went to Burning Man uh, when I was 28. Uh, Burning Man is a festival in the desert. Uh, there's a lot of art and ex- uh, expression and nudity and drugs and had my mind blown there. And then <laughs> what, what you talked about was uh, an event on March 20th, 1999. I went to my first workshop around sexuality and basically made a total fool of myself. Uh, in the first five minutes of the workshop, and I can tell you that story if you're interested, but really just made a total fool of myself. And in that moment, I had two choices. One was to go back to the status quo. The second was to say, huh, I wonder why that happened. I wonder what part of me I don't see, a part, what part of me am I not familiar with? And I chose the latter, which led to the most amazing journey I could ever imagine, which eventually led to me opening a company called One Taste, did that for 10 years, came to Los Angeles afterwards and started my own little business and then published Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them in December of 2018. So that's the, that's the elevator pitch. Fantastic. Um, so Unhidden, uh, I, that's kind of like uh, the dark side, I guess, and you're kind of exposing it and showing the readers and your community that the dark side uh, is not so bad because uh, 
you have to understand your dark side to really have your light side flourish. Is I know I'm not articulating articulating it the mm-hmm. way you would, but uh, talk to us a little bit about that, Rob. What you're describing is is known in my world as the shadow, mm-hmm. and you can go back into there's many great books around there uh, embracing and integrating your shadow. To me, shadow means part of yourself that isn't seen. It's either in the dark or in that like little spot in your peripheral vision, outside your vision, the part you can't uh, see. And that could be fear, that could be desire, that could be childhood pain, that could be anything. But that part of your shadow is running some or most of your system and having you make decisions that you're not even conscious of what your motivations are. So my idea is to turn the light, turn your attention to your shadow investigate it, integrate it, see it, so it's no longer running you unconsciously, it's actually running you consciously. Love it, great. Um, and it's important that um, I think that guys get together and talk about this stuff, because as, as you know, Rob, you know, most guys, are, we're kind of lone wolves. We don't talk to each mm-hmm. other too much about our feelings and things like that, and True. women are much better than us uh, in terms of uh, they talk to each other, they share details on things. And guys, in my experience at least, and from reading your book, we're a different type of guys, but we relate on a lot of levels. And I think that's great. And mm-hmm. um, and I think viva la difference. And I think it's important that everybody's an individual. And I, I love the work you're doing. But talk to us a little bit about why, uh, you know, the state of men today and the state of maleness today and why is it um, that guys – communicate the way they do and why it's uh, they have and why it's important for them to start to become unhidden, if you will, and start to express themselves a little more freely um, without the risk of, uh, you know, without any fear or risk of exposing themselves in a bad way. It's actually very freeing. Well, I think the Me Too movement is a big wake-up call. I think uh, a very timely, there's a Gillette advertisement that came out uh, saying for men to become better men, that's really impacting uh, my world at this moment. Um, and so I think there's a large call out for men to bring awareness of the impact they have on other genders. I say genders because I believe there's more than two genders. There's multiple and people yeah. can identify. Mm-hmm. I agree. So men are just not aware of the impact. They're not aware of their energetic, their emotional, their physical, and other genders are being negatively impacted by their unawareness. Now, of course, they're being positively impacted in many, many ways. I love maleness. I love masculinity. I love strength. I love who men are. And the parts in the shadow, the parts that are not seen, have a negative impact. So our inability to see it and to work on it, to consider it, is causing a lot of strife between the genders. What what do women feel about what's going on now? Um, and what do men feel about what's going on now? From what I can tell, and we'll talk about the Gillette ad uh, in a moment, but mm-hmm. it, uh, women are on this straight trajectory um, to get long overdue recognition, and uh, mm-hmm. they don't need men in the same way they did in the past. And guys mm-hmm. uh, sometimes can find themselves in the crosshairs where they're not sure what they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to feel, what their roles are, and it's, it's kind of tricky for them. And they can go one or two ways. They can listen and learn and see that it's actually probably the best time ever to be a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they can look at it and get angry and say, you know, I'm just going to, you know, hide myself and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to come out like some of the incels. Uh, what, what's your feeling about all of that? Well, I think it's, 
I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Uh, I think it's a tough time to be a man. Chapter five of the book is dedicated to this concept that it's just a tough time to be a guy. And it's a double trap because one, it's a tough time to be a guy and B, we're not given permission to speak about our pain, our fear, our angst. And so what guys do is they shut it down. They push it down into our shadow. And that double trap is having things get worse. If you look historically, uh, the patriarchy has been around since around 4,000 BCE, so around 6,000 years. And if you look historically what's happening, there's been significant changes in the last 50. So 170 years ago was the women's suffrage movement in 1848. 1920 is when women got the right to vote. But it really wasn't until the 1960s and 70s where we started to build the foundation for equality between the genders. I'm not saying we're even close to it. I'm saying we started to change. So it's only been about 50 years, but there's been significant changes. If you look at the statistics, I'm glad to share some, but women are starting to get empowered. They're dominating the schooling. They're moving into CEO positions. They're changing the dynamic. And like you said, what was needed before, women needed men simply for survival and economic, they no, no, longer, no longer need men. And now they get to choose men. And from that, men need to step up, and some are, but most are staying the same or actually quitting to the point that they're not stepping up to the challenge of being a man, learning how to interact with a powerful modern woman. The result of that is things could get worse before they get better. This chasm and communication mm. that uh, seems to be there now could get wider and deeper. And what's interesting is I speak with a lot of relationship experts and a lot of women relationship experts and to a person they have all said the same thing, and that is that women want men to be men, and in the best sense of the word. Mm -hmm. So for guys, uh, you know, then the guys listening out there, this this can be a really good time because if you're a guy, you're a good guy, and you're evolved, and you're listening, and you're realizing that yes, we have to suffer some of the pains of s some behavior of some other men. Then and just, but if you can be better than that, and you can continue to improve yourself, you'll really be appreciated by women, and it can be very freeing not to have to be the be-all end-all for a woman. That you mm -hmm. can do your thing, and women can do their thing, and it can be a, a lot more fun as a partnership. This is a time where uh, men have never had a better opportunity to be whoever they wanted to be. Yet for some reason, it's also a time where it's never been less clear who men really are. Right. There's an author called. Uh Michael Kimmel, he wrote uh, many books around gender dynamics. He's one of my favorite authors. He talked about something called uh, aggrieved entitlement. Uh, so basically, men feel entitled for certain things. They feel entitled for certain jobs, for certain positions. You know, that woman took my job. You know, that, uh, that minority took my position. It's just from that aggrieved entitlement. And you can see it really in our, our political spectrum. You know, we're Americans. We deserve this. They're taking over. They're invading. And that's a definition of this aggrieved entitlement where men think. And if they're not showing up at their best, if they're not being the best person, well, they're not going to get the job. They're not going to get the position. They're not going to get the raise. And instead of um, stepping up and being, okay, how do I improve how do I improve my communication? How do I learn more empathy? How do I deal with my emotions? They're getting madder and madder, more and more dug in and creating that chasm. So yep. I totally agree with you. It's, it could be the best time to be a guy with powerful, you know, powerful, empowered, you know, financially stable women, but instead we tend to whine, which is so frustrating because it could be the best party in the world. Yeah, it's all, all we need. I think guys need to do right now the best thing they can do 
is I think they need to listen. They don't have to have their opinion unless they're mm-hmm. asked on things. This is a time where, you know, women, are, they, they want to be able to articulate how they've been treated, how they're feeling. Now, you may have been a good guy your whole life, but that doesn't mean that every other guy right. has, has been so great. And we all know there's been a lot of jerks that we've known who have mistreated women. We mm-hmm. all know guys like that. So, unfortunately, you're a guy and you had somebody on the team who has been bad behavior. So, you're going to get penalty. You're going to get the 15-yard penalty. That's just the way it is. That doesn't mean you give up or you take your ball and go home. That means, like, hey, get back in the huddle and, like, let's talk about how we can play the game more fairly for everybody and then things will be okay. But a lot of guys, they get they get angry with this and they feel that, you know, it's open season on men. And I, and I will say this, though, that a little bit, I've, I, every once in a while, I read the posts on Facebook and elsewhere. And if you don't agree with some of the uh, positions uh, and uh, opinions certain people have, that they start, it gets to feel a little bit like open season on men. So how do mm-hmm. we find the balance? Because, you know, to ask guys just not to say anything and to listen, I, that's what I would recommend, but it's tough sometimes. And I, I noticed it with, uh, we, we were going to talk about this uh, Gillette ad, that mm-hmm. people have different opinions. I'll give you an example. I, uh, I, I know you like the ad and you've been posting about it. And I think the ad message as a public service announcement is spot on. I think it's fantastic. However, from my experience in advertising, I know that Gillette has an issue where they need millennials to start shaving mm-hmm. because they have to sell razor blades. And this is their approach, and which is fine. But to me, I, I don't think they're doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. I think they want to get some eyeballs. They want to get people talking about this. And I wish that uh, if they really felt so strongly about this, that they would set up some programs to help educate men and women and have a discussion there, but not make their you know, ads, their specific ads about selling razors about this issue. Your thoughts, Rob, because I know you feel strongly, and I respect your opinion. Yeah, so I'll just start with the angle that popped up for me first. I totally agree with you that they're not doing this out of the kindness of the heart. No part of me thinks. <laughs> they just said, oh, what should we do today? Oh, we should do a Me Too-based ad to shake the world up. No, they're doing it for a reason. They're, they're doing it for Norarty. They're doing it for eyeballs, as you say. Um, and I'm totally ready, Gillette. I'm totally ready to teach some programs I actually emailed them and say, hey, let's join forces. I got what you guys need. Uh, so we'll see if they respond. I doubt it, but you never know. So the the point is men have two choices in terms of what's going to happen with women. So as I mentioned, the patriarchy has been around for 6,000 years. During that time, there's been uh, hundreds of generations of men and women and women are carrying all the pain and angst they felt during these 6,000 years. So when you deal with a modern woman, you're not just dealing with her socialization, things she's felt. You're dealing with her mothers, her grandmothers, her great-grandmothers, her great-great-grandmothers, the ancestral, it's called ancestral trauma that a modern woman carries. So when I'm arguing with my wife, Morgan, I know there are times when I've done something really dumb and it's all about me. But most of the time, I have a sense that I've done something small And I'm actually having the impact of all that ancestral trauma to her and her own personal relationship with her dad and all the other men in her life. I have two choices in that moment. Option number one is kind of to be like, this isn't about me. Why are you talking about this? I didn't do that. This is not a big crime. I can get into that kind of whiny, petulant, 
it's not me, it's some other guy mode. I can do mm-hmm. that. And I could probably convince her to stop. The second choice, the one I do, is say, okay, bring it. I want to know all your pain. I want to hear about all the things that affected you. I want to I want to understand the thread of when I said this, how that reminds me of your dad. You know, who's also named Robert. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I want to I want to understand it. I want to be a place where you can off gas, where you can yell, you can scream. I can have my practice of expanding my presence so big that you can rail against me so we can get it out of the shadow into the light and hopefully heal it. That's the kind of guy I want to be, and that's what I want to teach men. So, yes, it's open season because we've had 6,000 years of bad behavior, and you can either push it away or be like, lovingly say, I'm here, baby. You know, how can I hold you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, agree, I agree with you, Rob. Somebody uh, in advertising, a kind of pundit, and I'm, my background's advertising and marketing, mm-hmm. was posting how she was crying after the ad and some other people were agreeing. And some guys were posting and really trashing men. And then mm-hmm. some women were posting, were actually saying, you know, just sell the razor blades. And I yeah. found it very interesting. So I posted, I said, similar to what I just said now, like I I agree with the message completely, but I, I I think, you know, there's a time to sell razor blades and time to, if you want to build a foundation, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about it, Gillette was owned by uh, Robert Kraft before P&G bought them, and mm-hmm. uh, he owns the New England Patriots, so he's all about macho men and football and everything, mm-hmm. and they haven't exactly set the uh, perfect example for uh, male behavior if you look at some of the problems they've had with some of the pro players these days, uh, but when I posted saying, I, hey, I agree, but I'm not that crazy about the forum, having spent all these years in advertising, uh, the, the person whose uh, post this was, she was totally, you know, totally trashed me on that. And, uh, and I, I, I was like, wow, you know, you can't, you have to really be careful. I should have mm-hmm. just listened and not said anything because it doesn't really matter. And it doesn't matter that I think my behavior is, I don't have shame. I, I think my behavior has been pretty good for, towards women. As always, I have a lot to learn, but I have to realize that there has been 6,000 years of bad behavior that's come down and you just have to roll with it. And if you're a good guy and you can improve on being a good guy, then you'll be even a better man and you'll be even more acceptable and attractive and better man and a role model for society. 6,000 years of good behavior, bad behavior, and everything in between. Like, I just really want to say that for the record. And remember, like, if you do 99 things good and one thing bad, guess what people remember? They remember <laughs> the bad thing, right? So <laughs> I just want to say, like, 6,000 years of progress and power and beauty and art and music and, and epic relationships between men and women and some bad behavior that's still impacting modern women. So please, I don't want to paint a picture that men are bad, masculinity is bad. Right. It's just the details that we're not aware of that's having a negative impact in modern times. Great, great. Aptly put, thank you. Um, you know, what's interesting too also on the Gillette ad, the, uh, the research that was done in the uh, comments, and you had posted some of this also, uh, has been overwhelmingly negative from men. Yeah, yeah. So, for the most part, the guys are like, hey, you know what? We don't want to be preached to. Like, And mm-hmm. I can kind of understand that because, yes, I know the 6,000 years and all that, but I don't want people wagging their finger at me while they're trying to sell me their product. And that that's my only issue with the whole thing is that mm-hmm. the forum. Um, let's talk about, because maybe you can educate me and our listeners on this a little bit, incels. I don't get the whole incels thing. These are guys who are really hidden, I guess, right? 
Incels uh, is, is a group of men who declare that they're involuntarily celibate, meaning they're not having sex. And incels are known mostly because uh, there's been a lot of uh, gun violence connected to inc- incels. I actually, I don't know the exact specifics. It's something I should know. But there really is a lot of anger. And I think they're full of crap, personally. <laughs> I think uh, these guys are mad because women won't have sex with them. And they're putting so much energy into their anger that they could be into becoming better men that they could actually have sex. So, again, it's an example of men just quitting. Um, There's actually a whole subculture in Japan. They're called herbivores Mm -hmm. of uh, Japanese men who are just swearing off sex and relating. And there's so many of them that it's actually impacting the economics of Japan, you know, because they're not having children. And what they're doing is they're they're hanging out with other men, they're working on their careers, they're having sex dolls, they're playing video games, just because they don't want to learn the craft. And relating mm-hmm. to a modern woman is a craft. It's an art, it's a mm-hmm. science, it's a craft, it's a practice. And instead of putting their energy into improving themselves, they're being like, again, it's whiny. It's just like, no one will have sex with me, so I'm going to sit here and get angry and I make a name for myself. And I think it's, I think it's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to that point, um, it, technology, you know, can be our friend or our foe. I mean, in one way, you know, you've uh, if you've ever done dating uh, online th- uh, websites or the uh, apps, you know, you can meet beautiful women sitting at home in your tidy whities or, mm-hmm. or when you're out. You, 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 it's pretty simple stuff. However, there's something to be said about um, going up to somebody and say, hi, my name's Lou, can I buy you a drink or something like that, where you have to put yourself, talk about unhidden, you have mm-hmm. to put yourself right out there on the line. I don't know if a lot of the younger guys today are that um, uh, skilled in the art of friendly conversation and flirtation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that whole, you know, Cary Grant type of style, where now it's just like, you know, it's not even email or phone. A phone's a big thing. If, if, you, if they get on the phone with a woman, that's like a major, uh, mm-hmm. you know, c- sacrifice almost. It's yep. just texting all the time. What are, what are your feelings about uh, technology, the, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly? You know, I was just remembering I was 15, 16 years old, and uh, Janine Hamilton uh, was a cheerleader that I had a crush on. And I got her phone number at school. And I remember picking up my phone and dialing, you know, the the digits. I'm 48, by the way, just to age myself. And I remember this stark fear of those rings being, being because the worst part would be like a sister or a mom or a dad picking up the phone and like, hi, is Janine there? Like, I can remember that moment. Anyway, the millennials don't have to deal with that these days. So consider yourself lucky. So I think technology uh, is the best of the best and the worst of the worst. I think it's amplified um, our our worst behaviors and amplified our best behaviors. I think the accessibility internationally, uh, the the ease of texting friends you haven't connected with, it's mindless. It's just like, you know, I have a friend in Texas who I don't get to see. And every six months ago, I just send a note. I'm like, listen, I don't have anything really to say except I love you and I'm thinking of you. And she's always like, oh, thank you. And we have a brief conversation. So it has the, the ease and the power of it, but it also has made us very lazy. Uh, we can multitask. Uh, we can play Tinder like it's a video game. Um, you know, a date doesn't work out. A coffee date doesn't work out. The woman leaves. You pick up your phone. Rather than dealing with the, the depression or the angst of the rejection, 
You're picking up the phone to find out if anyone else is on Tinder available in that moment. So I think it's bypassing a lot of the impact of authentic relating and will continue to create intimacy problems way beyond uh, we have any recognition. We can even realize at this point. So let's get into the the book a little bit. I noticed you got into like the concept uh, of shame and Mm. how it relates to men. And I've worked with some people in business who I found they had shame because of some of the bad things they were doing business-wise. And I could just tell by their behavior. But I personally haven't experienced a lot of uh, real shame myself. I've, I've tried not to keep myself down that way. But I believe from reading the book that it's prevalent that so many men have shame issues and forgive me for being a jerk or whatever but i that hasn't been something that maybe i'm being obnoxious that i haven't had to deal with or i maybe i need to deal with but talk Mm -hmm. to us about shame and how it relates to, to modern man i think all people have some element of shame in our system just by being a citizen of today's society Uh, We live in what I call a society of disapproval, where everything you're doing is wrong. Everything you think, you know, and we really do it to have you purchase stuff like Gillette ads, Um, Gillette (laughs) racers. So um, I do believe everyone has an element of shame. And some people are, are raised with parents who do everything they can to create a shameless society. Uh, for an environment for the children. And I have met people, and I, I don't know if you are or not, Robert, we could talk about it, but um, there could be elements of shame in your shadow that are running you that you don't know, or it could be you've just had a very healthy upbringing and et cetera, et cetera. But my relationship to shame was I was shamed a lot for my desire. Uh, my grandmother had, my belief is my grandmother had an untreated eating disorder that in- impacted my mom. And here I was growing up in the 70s and 80s where there was no word gluten and no concept of dairy-free. We lived in a society with Wonder Bread, Haagen-Dazs, you know, Fudgetown cookies. peanut butter. We lived in a fat, fat enriched, you know, all American meal was Wonder Bread and peanut butter, right? Um, And so I, once I got to a certain point of weight, uh, my mom, it triggered her shame around her body, and then she transferred her shame, and she censored how much I could eat. She limited, and so I became a rebel fighting against the shame and sneaking food, which then impacted my relationship with women and my desire for women and sex and blah, blah, blah. So my point is is that shame is uh, prevalent in most people. You know, We're taught to not um, be right with what we want. We're taught to minimize ourselves, especially women. Women are really taught if they want too much, they ask too much, then they'll be burnt to the stake, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we're taught to play small. Uh, we're shamed for who we are. And I think it's a huge um, thing to discuss and to look into your shadow to see how it's running you. Okay. Um, uh, you know, men are obviously have made a, a lot of errors over the centuries. And sure. however... Um, let's talk about women for a second. What is the one misconception that they have about men that I don't want to say unfair, but something that's a misconception about men that you wish that they didn't think that way because they're incorrect? Okay, I have two. The first is I steal from Alison Armstrong, uh, who I believe is actually one of the best in the business in terms of relationship. Uh, she's amazing. She says that women think men are hairy women. <laughs> okay. So women 
Just look at a man, and when he doesn't act like a woman, she gets mad because she thinks, on some level, he's a hairy woman, right? <laughs> he's not. He's a man. He's very different. And so when you project how you think a man should act, you're, you're gunning for trouble. You're gunning for betrayal. So if women can start to look at men as different than them, and and understand the the tendencies, and that's why I wrote the book. It's a book for men and those confused by them. I wrote this damn book so we could answer the questions of why this guy is doing this. Uh, so that's <laughs> hairy the, woman, hairy woman. Okay, that's the first one. The second one uh, is that men deeply, deeply want to love you. We get so much from loving women. We our entire lives on some level is dedicated to loving women. And because we don't know how, we act the way we do. But underneath it is a deep, unrequited desire to, to pour love. Like We're like big St. Bernards with big paws and a big tongue. We just want to love women so much. We don't know how. And so women don't know that. They're surprised when they hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, great answer. Um, let's talk about the book a little bit. Um, your book is like a, there's some memoir in there, there's some how-to, and there's some societal commentary that's very good and spot on, like everything you've been saying about men. You talk about kind of uh, some steps they can take in terms of uh, confronting things and how to move ahead. So as as far as the word confronting goes, it's one of the first things you recommend. Confront, investigate, practical, integrate resources. Talk to us about your kind of step-by-step plan for becoming unhidden. Well, I have a framework that's in the appendix, appendix of the book, and the book is basically designed around it. Um, my belief is that there's a process, and the first step of any change is to confront what's going on. I think we live with blinders on, uh, numbing out. We use food or television, gambling, drugs, porn. We use a lot of things to numb out, and there's a part of us that's not happy And instead of confronting or looking at that, we just keep going with our status quo, which has us be more unhappy. We numb out more. And so the first step for any change is confronting. And when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same, people change. But if the pain of change is greater than the pain of staying the same, people stay the same. So the first step is confronting. The second step is what I call investigating do research, find out about relationship to porn or gambling or food. Like we live in an uh, information-rich society, do some work. Then you commit. You're like, I'm going to work on my porn addiction. I'm going to work on my health. You commit to change. Not what you're going to change. You just say, you say to yourself, I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to work on myself. You just commit. It doesn't have to be a lifelong commitment. It could be a one-month commitment, but you say, yes, I'm up for it. Then you build a practice around it, which includes um, getting someone to have you be accountable. Um, And then when you finish the cycle, like a one-month or two-month cycle, then you celebrate, you debrief, and then decide if you want to do it again. So it's it's pretty well laid out in the book. But really, the first step, as you said, is to be like, huh, this relationship is not as much fun as it used to be. Our sex life used to happen all the time. What's happening? Like You have to confront Mm -hmm. to make a change. Okay. Um, you mentioned a key word there, porn, um, and it's something that all guys have uh, come across at some point, and some guys have not gotten away from, and it can really get in the way of having uh, a emotional uh, uh, emotional intelligence and a 
and, and a way of relating to women in a more positive way. And it's so prevalent. I mean, look at Instagram. I mean, mm. the way it's getting like mm. it, it's we have imagery everywhere in front of us. And uh, the old saying sex sells it. That hasn't changed. Uh, so how, how can men today deal with porn? Uh, what is the issue with porn and how can men deal with it? Well, porn is fascinating. I've had my own struggles with porn my entire life, just to out myself. Um, I think it's possible to have a healthy relationship with porn, but not not very prevalent. Like maybe 1% or half a percent you can actually have a healthy relationship with porn. Uh, porn, uh, there's really amazing stuff out there if you want to research this. Your Brain on Porn, a book, an audio book called The Butterfly Effect. Uh, John Ronson wrote mm -hmm. uh, did an incredible audiobook on the advent of free porn and its negative impact. But porn basically triggers all the aspects of masculinity. Uh, it's the hunter-gatherer. It's the novelty. It's the, the male gratification. Uh, guys who aren't having the sexual experience they want, they can press a few keys on their phone or, or keyboard and, have, and search out the exact experience they want to see. And so it... it it hits that pleasure zone of our bodies, uh, and then we get um, attuned to it, and then we need to up the amount of porn, the amount of novelty, and it's this really negative cycle. Uh, one statistic I like to say from the butterfly effect is they found that teenage pregnancy was decreasing significantly since the advent of free porn in 2008. Wow. At the same time, erectile dysfunction is skyrocketing among young men in their late teens and 20s because of porn. Wow. Huh. That was an interesting correlation. So mm -hmm. my point is it's really dangerous if not confronted. Okay. And uh, by my comments, I didn't mean to uh, imply that Instagram is all porn. It's not. But it, Instagram can be very titillating nowadays. And oh, yeah. The, the, the interesting thing is there's a, the women on there are they're just putting them – a lot of women – not all, of course, a lot of them are putting themselves out there. Basically, yeah. look at me and here's my paper website. Go there if you want the, the, the pieces of tape taken off, if you will. It's, yeah. uh, it's what can, you know, I wonder, um, and from your experience, are women talking to each other about, okay, this whole idea of porn, is this empowering or are we making men worse than the situation already is? Uh, I haven't asked women that specific questions, but I will guess from my perspective. So women, men get value from their production. You know, basically mm -hmm. moving the box from point A to point B, right. having the bank account, getting a job. We actually get value from our production. Women tend to get value from their attractiveness, how much they can attract. So I think that uh, women are using and getting validation Again, it's possible to be healthy, but I think majority of it is unhealthy because they want to feel attractive because that's how they get their value. And what's happening is I think they're feeding into the cycle of negative relationships between men and women. At the same time, women want freedom. For the first time, they want freedom over their bodies. They want to do what they want to do. Uh, there was a, a Netflix documentary called Hot Girls Wanted. Uh, Rashida Jones put it on, amazing, very sad <laughs> documentary about young girls who are going into porn. Life 
for a porn star, I think was three months or, you know, wow. one to three months. Yeah. So all these girls are putting, I say girls deliberately, are putting themselves onto porn, maybe negatively impacting their lives in terms of job and also their own self-esteem. And uh, one in a thousand are making it into the point of being a successful uh, porn mm. actress. So it sounds like uh, uh, some of this is driven by uh, female low self-esteem that they, because of the way society is currently constructed, they are getting uh, points, if you will, by being attractive instead of being valued for other areas of co their contribution. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, you also talk about um, yoga, how yoga changed your life. So <laughs> yeah. I think for, uh, I think it's important to talk about for, for a lot of guys and part of the reason I do this show, Rob, as you know, is because I want to talk to seekers. I think men, particularly men and women, but I think men, there's a lot of men seeking more. We come from similar generations. You're more GX. I'm more boomer. But, right. uh, you know, we still get uh, the, the, the scorecard is what's your paycheck? What's your job? Uh, that type of thing. How big's your house? How big? What kind of car do you drive? depending on where you live, that type of stuff. And there's a lot more. I think at a certain point, guys realize, is that, that it? There's, there's got to be more. And what we're doing on the show here is we're bringing experts like yourself and so many other people, whether it's wellness, diet, entertainment, sports, etc., to talk about different issues and metaphysical things like Reiki and hypnosis and yoga and why it's important to find some outlets where you can become unhidden, if you will, and mm -hmm. start to... Uh, uh, bloom like a uh, butterfly or a flower and be more uh, even even the best man you can be mm. for you it seemed like yoga was a path for you that made a big difference in your life could you talk to us a little bit about the importance it is for men to have this type of area for growth and also why yoga was so uh, appropriate for you i had a lot of judgment about yoga um you know yoga was pretty unknown until the uh, I think they brought it to the to the West in the seventies or eighties. When I was growing up, there was no yoga. But you know, ubiquitous yoga everywhere didn't really happen until the end of the twentieth century, early you know early twenty first century. Uh, yoga blocks in in Walgreens never happened before, um, and so it was pretty unknown. And so my first wife Carol uh, was into yoga, and she said you should really try this. And I was just like. Oh, uh, isn't that kind of feminine? Isn't that kind of girly? Uh, I want to. I want to do weights. I want to like work out. I want to run. Right. I want to do manly things. And she's like, "Well, you should try it because it's it might knock you out." And it totally kicked my ass. I did Bikram yoga for the first time in San Francisco in the mid '90s, and it kicked my butt. And so here's so two things. One is I had you know anything feminine in our society, men are taught to diminish and try to eliminate. You know, the whole don't be a girl, don't be a baby, don't be a pussy, all those things, right. you know, anything feminine. And so when I first started, yoga felt feminine. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that yoga taught me the concept of grace in physical prowess. Before, you know, lifting weight to running was very clumsy on some level. And I had to learn the fine motor skills. And so my ego got kicked hard in the beginning of yoga because I was totally unstretchable. I was totally stiff. I've been there, brother. Yeah. And it's just embarrassing to see women and some other guys, you know, put their head above their foot above their head. And I was just like trying to stand and not die. So anyway, yoga, uh, the, the basic answer to your question is yoga kicked my ass, 
taught me to embrace different parts of myself. And in the love of it, I discovered that everything, feminine, masculine, everything in between, could make me a better man. And uh, you also you can meet the hottest women around also in yoga true. classes That's too. That's true. <laughs> God bless yoga pants. God bless. Yeah. Um, you also, I think you make a great point in the book. You talk about, you know, and I think all the guys out there, just think about it. We don't really, you know, very few of us, let's put it this way, know what it feels like after working hard all week to go in a bar and be treated like a piece of meat by a bunch of women. Uh, yeah. Some of us would say, oh, that would be great. Well, maybe it'd be great initially, but if that's how you were always looked at and judged, that would be very uh, debilitating after after a time. And it's, uh, you talk about men's integrity, the issue of integrity and how they need to just take a step back and understand, can you imagine what it's like to be an attractive woman and after you worked all week, go to a bar and just have to, you're with your friends and you want to just relax a little bit maybe cut loose a little bit but then guy after guy after guy is on you and some of them are going to be very you know smooth and gentlemanly and some of them are not going to be and it's just it's a whole different experience that i don't think men understand could you talk to us a little bit about that rob yeah i stole this and i give credit but i stole this from a book called what women want by tucker max yep i know he is yep mm-hmm Dr. Tucker yeah. Mack, I have the book right here, uh, Joffrey Miller, Dr. Joffrey Miller and Tucker Max, What Women Want. So I stole this whole, because I was so impressed by it. So, you know, writing my book, I read over 100 books uh, around the topics of masculinity and communication. And this is, you know, this passage. And it talks about the concept of imagining a guy, a gay guy, going into a gay bar and, like you said, want to relax and want to let loose and go to the bar and looking around the bar, being attracted to guys and then being surrounded by four large guys, like football player-sized guys, and all they're doing is hitting on you, uh, touching you, uh, crowding you, and then if you resist, then they're making fun of you, they're teasing you. And so reading this passage really brought home to me mm -hmm. the, the, the lack of awareness guys have on the impact they make on women. Because the funny part is women want to have sex, in my opinion – more than men they want to have sexuality they want to have free they want to feel their bodies but because of the environment of what guys tend to to offer they don't want the sex that's on the menu they want sex their way rather than guys pushing looking for validation through sexuality etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. and so the importance of guys to slow down to sense to ask consent to ask questions and go from there Okay, uh, one last question, then we'll get into uh, talk a little bit about the, where you can get the book and that type of stuff. In your experience, Rob, after going through all of this, reading 100 books, writing your own book, having mm -hmm. the unhidden uh, work that you do, uh, what do women want? Women want men to meet them in all aspects of their being. They want guys with the range of skills and emotions. They want guys with presence. They want a guy with awareness. They want a guy with curiosity. They want guys to go along with, with the ride of their life from producing to emotions, from empathy to communication to sexuality. And they want guys to get over their shit enough to pay attention to them. And there's a whole chapter in the book of how to pay quality attention to a woman. And really what they want is a partner so they, we can both live as big and expansive lives as we all want. Oh, high five, brother. High five.
Okay, our special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Robert Kandel. The book is Unhidden. Rob, tell us where they can find you, the book. I know you're a Southern California guy. That's why one of the reasons I want to have you on the show. Uh, you do a lot of programs here. Tell everybody where they can find you in the book and all the work you do. Everything can be found on my website, robertcandell.com. Uh, to find the book, uh, you can go to Amazon. There's a Kindle written and an audio version. Um, and I'm also teaching a communication workshop in Los Angeles on March 23rd. Thanks so much for being on the show. My heartiest congratulations, not only on the book, Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. I love the title. But also on all the work you're doing on behalf of men and making this world a better place. Uh, I consider you a brother and uh, I thank you and we'll be in touch and we'll do it again. And thanks for coming on to Guys Guys Radio on KCAA. Thank you. Back on Guys Guys Radio, your host Robert Manny. That was a very interesting chat we had with Rob Candell. I hope you guys uh, keep an open mind on all the issues we covered today. Uh, what's happening now? Okay, we've got the Super Bowl coming up. We've got the Rams and we've got the Patriots. I'm going to take the Rams 27 24, upsetting the Patriots. I hope it's a great game. I think it will be. Um, elsewhere, uh, this is Guys Guys Radio. You can hear us on KCAA every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time, of course. And then we're also we're going to be moving on to iHeart system very soon. Also, we're on Spreaker, we're on iTunes, we're on Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, and Stitcher. So I really appreciate uh, everybody hanging in there. We've done over 340 podcasts before we got the show onto KCAA. So if you want to listen to some of the guests we've had in the past, uh, feel free. You can download download them all for free. The whole guys guy thing started with my novel. The book is called The Guys Guys Guide to Love, and it's a novel about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called The Male Sex in the City. It's a lot of fun. You can pick it up on Amazon, any of the e-tailers, the physical book, the e-book, and also my website is Robert Manny M A N N I dot com. I've got over three hundred blog posts on all types of issues that are in our culture today, and a lot of them we're going to talk about on Guys Guys Radio here on KCAA. So thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. And remember, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. Finish first.